0: Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, the reigning, the defending the defending the undisputed
1: universal heavyweight champion.
0: Wildcat Radio 2.0. Bear down, you beautiful people. What's up, Wildcats? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I am Adam Green, joined again by Brett Berry. And Brett, last week we did this show, and we were excited for the Oregon Road Trip. We were going to really see what the basketball team was made out of. And now we record. We're recording on Wednesday. We've seen the Oregon Road Trip,
1: and I kind of wish I hadn't. (laughs) Yeah, last week I think I said... I thought this trip in the first game with the Oregon game was going to tell us what the ceiling was and how they reacted to the that game win or lose was going to tell us what the floor was. I think we got answers to that. The sad thing is the disparity between the ceiling and floor is so wide, I still don't think we know who this team is or what they're capable of, really.
0: Well, we saw them play at Oregon. That was the big game. Oregon was ranked number nine in the country. are like, okay, if Arizona can go up there. The last time we saw the Wildcats, they crushed ASU. Let's see what they can do. And to be fair, I think Arizona was the better team on the floor. Absolutely. Against Oregon. They ended up losing that game 74-73 in overtime. It was a game that Arizona blew. There's no two ways about it. Arizona was in control most of the way. Every time Oregon made a run, Arizona came right back. It was what you wanted to see. And even Arizona was up late in that game. And if Dylan Smith can make the front end of a 1-1, one and one, Arizona has a good chance of winning in regulation. But they didn't make the plays down the stretch in regulation. Maybe... Zeke Nagy got fouled on the final attempt. He probably did, but they didn't make the plays in regulation and they didn't make enough plays in overtime, turned the ball over way too often, and ended up losing that game. And it was certainly disheartening. You go up to Eugene and you play a tough game where it could have been a signature win for a team that had not earned a signature
1: win and they blew it. Yeah, it was what, like, while I was watching the game, I'm like, there's like seven straight empty possessions in the last five minutes or something like that. In a game, Arizona played well. And the thing that kills me, I mean, everybody's going to complain, and rightfully so, potentially about the, you know, did did Zeke Nagy get fouled? Maybe, maybe I'm not. I'm pretty sure he did. Yeah, and I can understand complaining about that. I can also understand the referee not calling that and wanting to be the person that decides the outcome of that game there. There's still questionable decisions leading up to that, not the least of which is we had a timeout to get a shot and call a play, and we didn't. Well, did you see the plays that were called out of timeouts?
0: Do you think
1: that would have made a difference? Well, we went for the old, uh, let's let the ball get deflected off the inbound twice in a row and let the clock run out.
0: Yeah, well, it almost worked against, what, Wisconsin in that Elite Eight game how many years back? <laughs> yeah, it the, did not work then, and yeah. it did not work now, and... Watching that game, or at least the result of that game, Nico Mannion played well against Peyton Pritchard. Arizona, again, they, Arizona was the better team. And as upset as I was at the Wildcats' lost, I wasn't discouraged by that game. In fact, if you can be encouraged by a loss at this point in the season, I'm not sure if Arizona, who was ranked 24th in the country at the time, they're now unranked, by the way. But I don't think Arizona's in the place for moral victories But it was nice to see them go on the road against one of the better teams in the country and once again not be outclassed. We saw them against Baylor, who's great. They weren't outclassed. We saw them against Gonzaga, who was great. And Arizona was not outclassed in that game. So to see them play another top team and go toe-to-toe with them and say, you know what, they belong on the same floor, if not again, probably the better team that night, it wasn't, I guess maybe slightly encouraging, but at the very least it wasn't a discouraging effort Thursday night, I didn't think.
1: Yeah, and... I guess I'll I'll split hairs with Nico. You said he played well. I would say he played well generally offensively. If you're getting, uh, he kind of got burned a few times and later quasi, in the game, quasi ankle breaks against Peyton Pritchard, who's not exactly a you know super athlete. He's certainly not more athletic than Nico. Mann. But he held Pritchard
0: in check for most of the night too, or until, a combination. Until he of he dies, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Um, and so, like, but offensively, I felt pretty pretty. Uh, I felt pretty positively. I thought the energy level was high against Oregon. And then it just became, you know, the wheels start falling off and, you know, you're you're crashing towards the end there. Players' execution and coaches' execution, in my opinion. And it's sad to see. And then the really frustrating thing is, you know, like I said last week, win or lose, we're going to learn something about the team against Oregon State. I I think you can very reasonably make the case that talent-wise, Arizona is more talented in terms of raw talent than both teams. And they got outclassed by both teams. <laughs> outclassed by Oregon
0: State, well, for sure. Fair. I wouldn't say they got outclassed by Oregon. But again, when you lose the game, it doesn't really matter how well you played. It's, it's a results-based business, of course, yep. and they lost that game 74-73. But before we get into the Oregon State game, which was painful enough on its own, I'm going to take some time to talk to you about, well, you know chronic pain, right? You're always in pain, I feel like, when we record this show. I mean, I uh, do CrossFit, so I'm constantly in pain. So you do it to yourself is what I'm gathering. But at the end of the the day, the living with chronic pain is the worst. You know that. Even if it's self-inflicted pain, it's still pretty bad. Absolutely. You know, it's more than a feeling of discomfort. It can affect your whole life. Many of listeners probably have some type of pain that is preventing them from relaxing and sleeping. I don't know how you're sleeping. You're not a listener, but you used to be. It varies. Yeah, it (laughs) varies from time to (laughs) time. Yeah, so maybe you can't sleep, maybe you can't relax, maybe you stopped exercising altogether. Maybe it's been going on for a few weeks, maybe it's going on for longer. At any rate, no matter how long it's been going on, it hasn't improved and your life is worse for it. That's where Omax Health comes in, Brett. Ooh, tell me more. Well, if you're looking to get rid of the nagging muscle and joint pain immediately while providing long-lasting recovery, then you need to try the natural breakthrough pain relief solution called CryoFreeze. It's a CBD roll-on developed by Omax Health. That mm? sounds intriguing. Tell me more. <laughs> this non-prescription triple-action pain relief roll-on is specially formulated to block pain receptors, reduce inflammation, and improve muscle and joint flexibility. I certainly
1: need that. Yeah, no, I can tell.
0: <laughs> the best part <laughs> is this 100% natural CBD-powered remedy works symmetrically <laughs> in 10 minutes of application, and relief will last up to 8 hours, which is much longer than over-the-counter products. 10 minutes to get 8 hours of relief? It's a pretty good deal, I think. It's a good night's sleep. Yep. Just so you know, Omax Health is offering our listeners 20% off a full bottle of cryo-free CBD pain relief roll-on, plus free shipping. The discount also applies towards any products on the entire site. Just go to omaxhealth.com today and enter the code OVERTIME. That is omaxhealth.com, enter code OVERTIME, to get 20% off cryo site-wide. That's great, Adam. Right? You know what wasn't great, Brett? The Oregon State game? You knew it. (laughs) (laughs) This was the thing. When Arizona lost to Oregon, it was, okay, it's not a bad loss. The Ducks are good. And Arizona was as good, if not better. But, hey, they blew it. That happens. Let's see how they bounce back against a team who's not as good as Oregon is in Oregon State. A tough opponent. A veteran team in Corvallis. Not an easy place to go win. And... Arizona came out in that game not good, fought back, made it look like they were going to kind of get themselves into that one. Then the second half just absolutely fell apart in what was easily not just the worst loss of this season, but the most embarrassing because it's one thing to lose games. And up until that game, Arizona, I think their four losses have been combined like 12 points. So it's like, oh, they had a chance to win every single one of them. They didn't have a chance to beat Oregon State, not late in that game.
1: No. No the the thing that's most embarrassing to me and must just grind Sean Miller's gears to no end was it 51 points in the second half. That is horrendous. Yeah, against a team that you are generally superior athletically. It was an
0: 82 to 65 final. So if my math is right, that's what fit they gave up 31 points in the first half, 51 in the second and barely put up a fight defensively anyway.
1: Yeah, and I was you know when we were watching towards I I as a masochist and somebody that inflicts pain we're on myself. We're Arizona fans, Brett. We're all masochists. <laughs> as someone, as we, as you mentioned in the read, who inflicts pain on myself regularly. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, of course, watched all the way through the end to the to the bitter end and the, the final horn. Oh, I went to bed. I was tired. Um, you know, watching even just kind of the... It's hard to get a read on the body language of the guys when they don't know that they're on camera on the bench. In some of it, it's like... I think back to analogies of players that we had on the football team a couple years ago when we were getting smoked and they are laughing on the sidelines. And as a, somebody that fashions myself a competitive person, I don't like that on teams that I'm rooting for. Um, I didn't necessarily see, like, the laughing, but I just saw, like, they were almost, like, punch drunk. They were just kind of dazed, and they got that 100-mile stare on the bench, like a lot of our starters as the clock was running out. I mean, you got Oregon State clearing their bench against you as a ranked Arizona team. That's embarrassing.
0: Yeah, well, and it was a game where the disappointing thing besides the final score and the lack of competitiveness was that clearly there was some sort of hangover from the Oregon game. Or if nothing else, this is a young team that plays the level of its competition. They got up for Oregon and yet they couldn't have they couldn't find themselves to get up for Oregon State, a game that kind of became a bit of a must win after you lost to Oregon. Now, this is an Oregon State team that lost to ASU a few days earlier. So and I Oregon State played well. I'm not going to – you have to tip your cap in some ways. They made shots. They weren't all dunks and layups. They made some jumpers. They made some threes. They made 20 of 22 free throws, which isn't a ridiculous number in its own right. made 8 of 18 three-pointers. They shot 54% overall. It wasn't great defense from Arizona. It wasn't even good defense, especially in the second half. It wasn't even average defense. (laughs) No, no. Like, Tres Tinkley had 20 points. Uh, Ethan Thompson had 18. Arizona had no answer for him. Uh, Hollins had 12. It was a really balanced effort from Oregon State, but I don't know if it's not fair to the Beavers to say this is more about what Arizona didn't do than what Oregon State did because the Beavers, that's a tough team and a tough place to play. But they're not 17 points better than Arizona. They're not 82 to 65 better than Arizona. And if you wanted to tell me right now that Arizona is not as talented as Oregon State, I want to disagree with you, but I can't fight you over that because of just how that game went. And that was just incredibly disappointing to see because I know it's a young team, Arizona. But they're in mid-January now. They should be able to muster whatever it takes to win. They should understand by now what it takes to win in the Pac-12 on the road, especially given that they haven't won a true road game. You'd think that would be in their head, Say, hey, we got to bring it if we're going to beat anybody. And they did nothing of the sort.
1: I feel like that game was kind of a microcosm of modern college basketball, though, in the sense of, the blue bloods are changing their roster every year, right? It's it's always superior talent and youth versus experience in most in most college basketball games, and that's why there's so much parity and upsets. And this was our our time. The thing that concerns me to your point is, you know, we're mid mid January. The freshmen aren't really the problem, first of all. You know, they're they're actually probably the most consistent. Even though well, there's... Zeke Nagy, he's the only one who uh, you could yeah. even say had a
0: pretty good game against Nico State. Nico Mannion
1: against Oregon State on defense was awful getting beat. Um, and he did have nine assists. Yeah, but, you know, you can't, yeah. you no, get, you he got beat on like three basic high school there's level There's f- two sides of the floor. Yeah, yeah. and the, you know, I think this team is at its best, and they can use that athleticism when they're getting out in transition, and you don't get in transition off of made baskets, right? I mean, I was looking at the stats. We only had 17 defensive rebounds. Ugh. I mean, that's only – that's 17 possessions of theirs that ended in us getting the ball from a a rebound, right? You know, and we only had, what, three steals? So unless they were having unforced turnovers or made the shot, we weren't getting the ball back. They did make 27
0: of 50 shots, which leaves only 23 (laughs) rebound chances. (laughs) fair. (laughs) But but to your point, though, you have to get stops if you're going to – well, one, you have to get stops if you're going to win games. You're not going to beat teams usually 100 to 97. That's not – and especially when Arizona's shooting has abandoned them, and Sean Miller was understandably upset after that game. <laughs> we all were upset after that. Well, I was upset the following morning after I woke up. But <laughs> again, I like I see where this game is going. Whether they, you know, final score is irrelevant. Nothing's going to happen here. But to your point, Brett, this was a team that by this point you expected the freshmen to be well, better than they have been. They've been good, not great, and certainly not great enough to carry the veterans on this team. Chase Jeter was not good this road trip. No. He just wasn't. Stone Gettings struggled against Oregon. I mean, everybody struggled against Oregon State, but Stone Gettings wasn't great. Max Hazard is still trying to find his shot. Ira Lee, who Sean Miller said in his press conference Wednesday he needs to find more minutes for, hasn't made much of an impact yet this season. So if you look at it and say, there, there are times where you could say, okay, this team just needs X to happen. This guy comes back from injury, or this guy just starts playing to the ability that we know they're capable of. And as high as I was on these guys a few weeks ago, and I'm still fairly confident that they'll be a pretty good team. When it's all over with. There's no one coming to the rescue. Like, this is the team. Kyandri eight and eight walking through that door. No, and <laughs> the improvement has to happen organically. Mm-hmm. And it, the veterans shouldn't have that issue. Like Max Hazard's the one guy I could say maybe it'll just click for him finally. He made a couple of shots over the week, and like, oh, that's the Max Hazard that they need. Other than him And by couple you mean like two shots. Yeah. Oh absolutely <laughs> a couple. <laughs> <laughs> two games. <laughs> hey, that's improvement, right? But but you get what I'm saying here is that people like to compare them to the national championship team that Miles Simon came in during back you know, during uh, during this season. It's like there's no one doing that for this team. This is it. There's no injury where you can say, Well, when that guy gets healthy or with there's nothing. It's just the team is not progressing in a consistent way and You can point to coaching. Sean Miller is not without blame for this. You can point to the veterans because they're supposed to be the ones you can lean on if you're Sean Miller and these young guys. And you can point to the fact that when you're relying on three freshmen to be your key guys, you're going to have those ups and downs. But they should be
1: getting better at this point of the season, not worse. Yeah, I think that's the most concerning or disconcerting thing, or pick your adjective, is that the veterans, especially like the guys that are seniors, like... Guys, you're running out of time. The young guys don't know how fast the season goes, right? Just like they don't realize you need to be consistent the whole game until they've gotten punched in the mouth a few times. You know, the seniors, this is like your last go-round. You know, Chase Jeter, you're you're playing your way from a overseas contract in Europe to one in, you know, Venezuela. <laughs> <laughs> and like, you know, you've only got so much time to be Do They play a be, lot of basketball in Venezuela? There's, you know, there's low low paying basketball leagues in more countries than you'd realize. Um, Evidently. <laughs> but, like, you know, there, your chance to, to prove yourself and to to really – you know, they've got, what, how many games are left in the regular season then, you know, maybe at best all things go great. You win the pac tournament and you win the national title game. What is that, like 10 games in the postseason? So you got, what, 20, 20 games left maybe? Mm-hmm. Like, guys, you're going to run out of time. And, like, that's what's – most baffling is the most inconsistent guy. seem to be the most veteran and like i don't know what i don't know what chase jeter's motivation is that drives him i think he's a good dude i think he has some skills but like he needs to get you know a little he needs to get angry um max hazard i think i he's just he's just stuck man and yeah. i i know i think there's you know, you say that it needs to come organically. I think there's maybe some ways that Sean Miller can try to manufacture some development or just change things up to throw, you know, this isn't working. Let's throw it in a different gear and see how that works, even if it's just for a few minutes to get like Max ha- Like, I'm not opposed to Max Hazard as bad as he's been. Let him start and try to get some shot, get some, do Please. some play calls for him, get him some shots going he early. He used to be a starter. He may be more comfortable that way. Well, I mean, one of my frustrations with Sean Miller is he doesn't seem to run plays to get guys specific shots. He runs the offense. Like, why not start him and run the first three plays like double screens for Max Hazard and try to get him a couple three-pointers and see the ball go in the hoop early. Well, we say that, though, and he's come out
0: and talked about how he needs to get the ball to Zignaggi more, and we've seen more of a concerted effort, whether it's plays or just, hey. Th- like And they do run some plays like that to get certain guys the ball. Not many. But <laughs> it's usually the ones who earn it, and he's never yeah. been one to say, we're going to get this guy a shot in hopes that we get him going. That's not Sean Miller's style, and someone like Hazard, and that's, that's where I struggle with this team, and maybe you ask, What's the motivation? Like, these veteran players are the ones who are struggling the most. Is it possible, and I'm going to say this somewhat uh, sarcastically, is it possible that they're just not as good as we were hoping? That Chase Jeter, who was a solid player last season on a bad team, can't find his way to do the little things on a team that doesn't need him to score 12 points a game. He's just not a good rebounder, not a great defender. Dylan Smith is the same streaky guy he's always been. He's playing better defense than he has, but he's still the same streaky offensive player he's always been. That Ira Lee is still the same guy who's just a ball of energy but unrefined skill. And that Max Hazard, I guess we don't know enough about him to really make a claim. But we say, what's wrong with these guys? It's possible. They're just not that good. And when I say that, they're role players. And role
1: players are not guys you rely on. I think in Chase Jeter's case, my, my thought is... He is better in the role of being the guy towards the end of the possession you get to make a post move and get a nice, you know, you run the offense a little bit through him. But when you have Zeke Nagy, that's not your best play. No. And he is he struggles as a complimentary player. He doesn't have a mid-range jumper. He doesn't, you know, doesn't rebound particularly well. He doesn't offensive rebound particularly well. So you're basically negating his best asset. And, you know, I don't know what the answer is to that. That's a question for Sean Miller to figure out. I you know I can't remember if I if I you know was texting you I think my no, one notion that I could see Sean Miller doing is if you're going to bench Jeter from a starting lineup like it's been talked about you know throw some different lineups out there maybe you don't go with Coloco at center maybe you go small and have Stone getting so he can spread the floor to start the game and at least play hard on defense maybe and he complements Zeke's skill set a little bit more. That's a good segue here because
0: Sean Miller and his press conference on Wednesday his weekly press conference ahead of the Utah and Colorado games which we're going to talk about. Later in the show, he talked about how just the fact that he's at a loss for certain things, that no one's rebounding the way that they're supposed to, that no one's gotten better, no one's kind of heeded his call for get better on the boards other than maybe Najee. And he did say that they're thinking about tinkering with the lineup, with the rotations. And I don't know what. I mean, <laughs> they're not going to bench Nico Mannion. You're not going to bench Josh Green. You're not going to bench uh, Zeke Najee. Dylan Smith, maybe. Yeah. But. I don't know who replaces, who replaces him in the starting lineup. You don't really have another three. I mean, Jamal Baker is smaller, and he hasn't been great. Does he fundamentally change your rotation? <laughs> like, no, it's not at all. Like, so then you look yeah. at Jeter, and you could say maybe Najee goes to the five, which isn't a bad lineup probably. He could play He's the playing five. in the low. He plays yeah. best in the low post anyway. In most teams, he could probably do that again. It's not like Jeter's playing a great five himself. And then that, does that mean you bring Ira Lee into the starting line and maybe for some energy? Do you bring Stone Gettings to spread the floor? There's not an obvious answer. Yeah, Like, I would say, oh, Coloco should start at center. Well, as much as we love Christian Coloco on this podcast, and I think everyone loves him because he's amazing. <laughs> he's the greatest thing ever. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. He's still not someone you could say, give him 25 minutes a game, 30 minutes a game, and you're sure what you're going to get. He, he's obviously a good defensive presence. Offensively, he's interesting and he rebounds. Okay. Like he tries, but he can be a role player, but if he gets 20 minutes a game, 25 minutes a game, how many fouls does he have? Does he wear yeah. down? And we don't know that yet. So that would be the easy, Oh, Coloco and for Jeter done, but I don't think it's that simple. And that's where Sean Miller, you said, like he has to figure that out. And some would say, just don't mess with anything, you know, but like if it ain't broke, don't fix it, but it looks broken and you don't want to overreact to what happened last week. Cause if it was just the Oregon game, and even if they were competitive against Oregon state and lost, you're probably not. we're not talking the way we are right now. Yeah. Like they played an absolutely dreadful game against Oregon State, and it makes you go, well, wait, what's wrong with this team? I wasn't asking what's wrong with Arizona after the Oregon game. It was like, yeah, okay, they lost a game against a good team. And they lost to St. John's. It wasn't, well, what's wrong with Arizona? But the way it went against Oregon State, I guess my, my biggest complaint or my biggest concern is that it seems like it's still an effort thing or a focus thing. Just something mental with them. And this was a team that was supposed to be built. The freshmen were supposed to be winners. And your upperclassmen are the guys who you you'd think, oh, they're going to play their asses off because this is their chance. Mm-hmm. And yet, for some reason, I don't think the effort isn't there for the freshmen, but there's a good possibility that they don't know what they should be doing. They don't know how to finish a game. They don't know how to close a game at the college level in Oregon. Nico Mannion, for as good as he's played, he doesn't know how to run the team in those settings. Not doesn't know how to do it effectively. So that's where you need these veterans to step up, and they're just incapable of doing it right now. And I'm just not optimistic that they'll get there. So, my hope, I guess, isn't that Chase Juder will somehow magically find his inner anger, or that Max Hazard's going to come in and be a 10 points off the bench scorer for them, or that Dylan Smith is going to find consistency. I think this team's best chance is those freshmen pushing through this little wall and becoming elite and consistent. Because yeah. they have the talent to do so. Nico Mannion is incredibly talented. Josh Green is incredibly talented. Uh, Zeke Nagy, the same. And even Coloco, who is the most talented player in college basketball.
1: Those are the guys who have room for improvement to me. I'm not sure the veterans have it. Yeah, the word the word you used a couple times that, I was, that was kept coming to mind and then you used it a few times is consistency. Because that kind of embodies effort and focus and all of those things. But I think the young guys don't. They don't know how consistent you need to be. They're used to playing AAU ball. And, like, people don't really care if you win or lose that much in AAU ball. Christian You're there Coloco did. Christian Coloco is Hakeem Olajuwon, Ralph Sampson, and Patrick Ewing all rolled into one. Thank you very much. <laughs> all right. Combined with Michael Jordan's skills and competitiveness. Yeah. I, th- I, might, I might have overshot slightly. Or did you? No, <laughs> yeah, but... The word that the word that imbu- that the umbrella word there is consistency, and like I think it's effort and focus, and like we've been talking about that even when they were looking good, the thing that I was always always expressing concern for was defensive consistency, because I even in the Oregon game, they were putting the clamps on a better Oregon team. Oregon is more talented than Oregon State. But yeah, just a bit. It's, they they just they are, and we were we had them. You know, flabbergasted. We were playing great defense. We were getting out and running. Those wonderful three-second Josh Green possessions. Best offense. Love um, it. And then, you know, they just I, – I don't want to say it's an excuse because it's not an excuse, but it didn't help that, like, I think the Thursday to Sunday in a long road trip to go down to friggin' Corvallis doesn't help a team that's inconsistent remain, regain focus. But, you know, that's on the players and that's on the coaches to get them mm-hmm. focused. And so, you know, we keep, I feel like we keep waiting for the lessons to be learned, and we see them kind of apply the lessons for a little bit, and then it's like, they're like, ah, yeah, and then they think they're, you know, we were beating Oregon, and we just, oh, we got screwed on a call, therefore, we just need to show up, and it's like, the lesson's still not sticking. <laughs> and this
0: was a team that wasn't supposed to need that, that motivation. We've seen the recruits come in sometimes like, yeah, they're immature, and this wasn't supposed to be that team. This was the team, this was the recruiting class, the freshmen who were winners in high school. They came in ready to work, and I guess I don't know if it's effort with i don't it's not effort with them, with the freshmen, I'd be inclined to say it's they just don't know, yeah, and the veterans are supposed to guide them now grant when you when your point guard is a freshman, that's tough because he's your team's leader, he's your floor, he's getting everything going offensively. And when he needs to learn on the fly like this how to close out games at this level, there's gonna be growing pains. But that's where you'd like to have a Chase Jeter or a Dylan Smith or someone to rely on late. And Dylan Smith even against Oregon. He missed the front end of the one and one. I think Arizona was up four at the time with like a minute left. And he missed the front end of the one and one and Oregon came back and we all know what happened. And he had one where Arizona was looking for the final possession and he made a bad pass into Zignagi that went out of bounds for a turnover. Like that's a guy who's been in these situations before who You should be able to lean on just a little bit in those moments. And he choked in those moments. And, of course, Chase Jeter hasn't even been on the floor because he just hasn't been good. And then Hazard, who hasn't been in those moments for Arizona but has been in them for UC Irvine, he's not on the floor either because he hasn't been that good himself. So this is a team that is relying on freshmen so heavily, good freshmen, high-quality freshmen, but they don't have anyone to lean on that's a veteran. So maybe this is the growing pains and you just were seeing it play out on Pac-12 courts where it's like they're in moments they have never been in before. How do they handle it? Like They were in a moment against a top team on the road and a game that they were letting slip away. Could they find a way to pull it out? They failed. And then the next test was, well, can you respond from that and get yourselves together for a game, maybe a little bit extra time in Corvallis goes against you, but can you push through that and take care of business? And they failed that test too. And that's where it's, this late in the season. It's getting late, man. <laughs> and we're going to talk about the Colorado and uh, Utah games coming up. But as bad as things seem right now for Arizona, they're still a tournament team. Yeah. They're, I think, 18th in the net ratings. And we said they dropped to 19th in Ken Yeah. So for as bad as we feel about them right now and as bad as they looked Sunday night in Corvallis, the numbers say this is a good team.
1: But the numbers say Khalil Tate is a good quarterback. Touche. <laughs> <laughs> <Like laughs> I, I actually had that thought that I'm like, man, it's just like if this basketball team kind of feels like the Khalil Tate of basketball teams. And that, boy, if they do it right, they're unstoppable. But then they're also can have the capability to just flame out and, you know, be awful. and make So who's the Grant Ganel then? Christian Coloco. <laughs> The, oh. the backup quarterback is always the most popular guy. <laughs> Jack Murphy, I think, is the grand <laughs> canal
0: right now, right? But that's, that's where they're at right now. And a couple of wins this week would go a long way towards making us feel better about them. But Before we talk about that, Brett, let's take a quick break. All right. All right, Brett, before we talk about the two games that are coming up, which are big games, I want to let you all know on a promotion we're running here, from now until January 31st, Anyone who retweets this podcast on Twitter, well, there's the only place you can retweet it, but you share, the, you share the podcast on Twitter, you get an entry into a contest for a Gronk bobblehead. Ooh. Eh, eh. I Brian's have, giving one of those out. He gives out Gronk bobbleheads like candy. I have one, actually, on my desk at work. So you're not eligible to win anyway. Damn it. So don't worry about that. There's no entry limit, though, so retweet as many podcasts from ours, Saul Bookman's show, and Brian does his, anything Wildcat Radio 2.0. Retweet those podcasts, and you'll get an entry for each one. The name will be pulling out of a hat live on Periscope at halftime of the Arizona-Washington State game. Ooh. So you'll have some halftime intrigue when the Wildcats are taking on the Cougars. So just, yeah, if you see the podcast on the Twitter, ours, Saul's, any of them, Wildcat Radio 2.0, give it an old
1: retweet and get an entry, win a bobblehead. I mean, I retweet Possibly. There's no guarantees. I retweet them in, in, in anyway out of just shameless self-promotion.
0: Well, congratulations on your bobblehead, Brett. Thank you. Like, you already pre-won a bobblehead. You just didn't know it at the time. Well, there you go. <laughs> so, so the Gronk bobblehead would be a nice thing to win. But even more for, I think, Arizona fans, a game against Utah, <laughs> which is Thursday, would be very nice. Utah's not a very good team this season, which is yeah. nice because it's, they've been pretty good. They've been tough. Larry Kristoviak is not a fun coach to have in the comments. It's fun to root against him. Like that guy is the tad boyle of coach. Oh, he's coming to town too. Yeah. <laughs> they're
1: they're based with the same people. Aren't they? They're like the angry coaches on the sideline who haven't really done anything. I actually think they're both decent coaches that they're like decent. They're like Herb Sendek. They they get the most out of what they have.
0: Yeah, which usually isn't much. Yeah. Utah, that the, the mountain trip's always a tough one to go on. Arizona does not have to go on the mountain road trip this year, which is, I guess, nice in theory if Arizona is good enough to make it matter. But they get Utah coming in first. We're not going to spend too much time on that game. Brian's going to take care of that one. If you're listening to this show, you probably already listened to his. Going to focus very much on Utah. That's a Thursday game. But Arizona I think, a double-digit favorite in this one, even still. Utah's just not a great team. They're very limited... Arizona should win this game. At the same time, I would have said Arizona should beat Oregon State. So, the big things to look for in this game are: one, is Arizona coming out being Arizona again, playing loose, playing free, and playing smart and hard. You have to play hard too. Yeah. Then we'll see if there's any lineup changes and rotation changes, which may get the rotation may get changed or may get hidden if there are changes there, if depending how the game flow is. But I'm curious to see if there's going to be any lineup changes. If there's going to be that type of reaction from Sean Miller, I'm not going to say overreaction because you know, I'm not going to blame him if he does anything. But I'm curious if he said what change he could make that he'd say that might get this team going. Like, where's the switch? Who is it?
1: I mean, I I think it's either I think it's Stone Gettings. I pro- I would like to see Stone Gettings at center. Uh, that's what I'm looking for seeing. I'm looking to see if we can get Max Hazard going. I don't know what they're going to do with Ira Lee because Lee – you know, he plays hard. He's one of our better rebounders. He also fouls a lot. Um, but if you told him to go out there and just say, hey, your job is to get rebounds and dunk the ball, and that's all you're doing, and play defense, right? You might get something out of that. The other thing I'm curious to see, I was thinking about uh, driving home from, from work today. You know, I, I would kind of like to see, we have the depth. Why not extend our defensive pressure a little bit? We've got guys who can run run out there. Why not try to force a little more pace, and get a little more in transit. Is
0: that, Is that dangerous with a team that's not great defensively, has not been good at recovering defensively when they've been switching off guys?
1: Well, if it's broke, I want to try to fix it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and, and it's one way, I guess, it's not going to run like the Havoc defense or anything like that, no.
1: but yeah. I mean, th- it's a way to try to unstick guys, right, and try to maybe manufacture some of that intensity on defense and that focus. Um, but, you know, we'll see. I mean, Utah got... They got run out of, th- you, th- you thought our game against Oregon State was bad. What was the score Utah-Colorado last week? Uh, 91 to 52. Oof. Of course, the 52 points is like what we give up in a half to Oregon State. But
0: so. Utah did beat Oregon State 81-69. So if you're looking for a common opponent. oof <laughs> But their best player is Timmy Allen. He's averaging and ha- or 7.7 rebounds, 2.5 assists, 50% shooter. He's a good player, a 6'6 sophomore. After that, they're not great. They don't have much that you really worry about. And this is one of those games where if Arizona plays close to well, they're going to win. Yeah. Like this isn't the game and this isn't the game where we're gonna see the only thing we'll learn about Arizona in this game is if they can mentally rebound from last weekend and take care of business at home. And that's the other thing. They've been fine at home for the most part. It's just on the road they haven't won. They haven't looked good anywhere outside of McHale. Even in the tournament in Anaheim, they didn't look great in those games. They just survived. Right outside of Mikael, Arizona has not looked particularly good. And yeah, they play half their conference games <laughs> at home, but they play the other half away. And right now, they're zero and two on the road in Pac-12. And even in, in neutral site games, like what happened against St. John's, they didn't play well in that one either. So you're not going to learn a lot against Utah, though. Granted, if Arizona loses, you learn a lot. <laughs> then we know the floor
1: of the team and that there is bottom has come out probably (laughs) I guess you can't lose to Utah not at home not now if if you don't if you don't come out with something to prove uh, as a if I'm Sean Miller I pull you out of there so fast and I want to see guys I want to I don't want to beat them I want to destroy them kind of thing and if you're not having that mentality and setting that expectation from the tip Use the depth, pull those guys, and you can probably still get away with winning the game by doing that.
0: You hope it doesn't come to that, but certainly this is a game of it's as must-win a game as they're going to have because a loss would say so so much about them. <laughs> I don't expect them to lose to Utah. Yeah. Then on Saturday, Colorado comes to town. I guess they're already kind of kind of be in town probably before that, but Colorado, who is ranked now. Like that's ain't that something. Arizona has a chance at a ranked victory again. <laughs> this one in McHale. Colorado is a Saturday night game, at, or Saturday night, it's Saturday afternoon, twelve thirty tip off. So it's a day game. We'll see what that does for anybody. Right now, Colorado, they're thirteen and three overall, two and one in the conference, ranked number twenty in the nation. That that is a big game. You know who they lost to also though? Oregon okay. State. Beavers, they're just giant killers, except for Utah, apparently. And <laughs> ASU. oof duh. Nothing makes sense anymore. Where they say time is a flat circle? Sure. <laughs> Some familiar names on Colorado this year. McKinley writes their leading score Guard is averaging about 14 points a game. Tyler Bay averaging 13 points a game. You got Deshaun Schwartz averaging 11 points a game. And Evan Bate is at 9.9. This is a good team. Arizona should be better. Especially yep. at home in Arizona, Colorado games, they can be. F- there are a lot of fun when Arizona wins. There's no Xavier Johnson talking crap about Arizona this time. There's no Sabatino Chen to worry about that. Like this, this has been a fun rivalry that's been mostly hammer nail.
1: But by the it's way, been any Utah fans are pissed off that you just called Colorado a rivalry? It's been a <laughs>
0: they're already pissed off. Oh, True. fine, Utah, you're a good rivalry too. Yeah, no, you're you're, you're adorable. Yeah, no, that's cute. <laughs> Colorado has looked at Arizona. They've they played some big games. they play in the Pac-12 Tournament quite a bit. Arizona goes up to Colorado. It usually doesn't end well for the Wildcats. But in Tucson, Arizona seems to always have Colorado's number. It's a chance at a ranked win. Like that, That's such a big thing for them right now, where the way this country, like Washington's kind of falling apart. They lost their point guard due to academic issues, so they're not going to be that good. Arizona gets Oregon at home later this season, so that's a chance at a ranked win. But they're going to be hard to come by. And for a team that doesn't have that signature, and I'm not saying Colorado would be, but it would be a win over a ranked team, No. a conference win over a ranked team. So it, it's a big game for them. And this is assuming they come out and take care of business against Utah on Thursday, Saturday afternoon, McHale.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you got you 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 need to come into this weekend with the expectation you're going to sweep, right? Yeah. You you and if you don't, then we got. Then we need to break glass and figure something out. And Sean Miller's got to start pulling all the levers, find something that works, because the opportunities for big wins are not out there right now. I, th- I mean, you can make a case our best win is still like, is still the Illinois win. Like they're they're n- and they're they're a decent team. They're talented, but they're not they're not great. No. Um, they've they've been competitive against some tough teams. Um, but the, the opportunities to have a re- you know wins on your resume are getting rarer. The funny thing is, it's like or, until the Oregon State game, and I guess you could say the St. John's game, it was like there wasn't necessarily like a completely baffling like home loss. This would no. be a, it, you know, Utah would be one of those. Yeah. Um, but given the context of the season, what have we lost? We've lost what five of the last seven or something like that.
0: Cause yeah, beat ASU and Nebraska Omaha. Otherwise, there's five losses.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So they're they're two and five in their last seven. They got to they got to they got to win some games. Yeah. They got to remember what it feels like to win. They got to you know to your point they got to learn how to how to win again.
0: And Colorado isn't ranked. They're not a top 10 opponent. It's, it's no. clearly not
1: a it's not a road game. They're not this they're not they're not Baylor, they're not Gonzaga. No. They're not even Oregon. This is
0: a chance at a ranked win over a team that you should beat at home. It's that simple. Yeah. And like I said it wouldn't be a signature win. It wouldn't be but it, this weekend, this this homestand, these two games and of course then they play ASU next weekend. So I guess this three-game homestand that Arizona has. Eh, see, because uh, ASU, it's a home game. Eh, eh. I see what you did there. Yeah, Mikhail North. <laughs> we'll be there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the, these next two games are a chance to right the ship in some degree. Like, if Arizona wins these next two games and then beats ASU, well, now you're, what, 4-2 and two in the Pac-12. You have a win over Colorado. You swept ASU. And you've played at Oregon on the road. You lost that game. You still get them at home, though.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So at four and two, it's not the end of the world. Like, th- you feel like there's a chance again. And what's funny is, at it with a net rating of 18 and Ken Palm 19, Arizona's fine. <laughs> like yeah. we, we talk about how we, that there are precious few chances for big wins, for those, like, those move the, needle, move the needle type of wins. They almost don't need them, but you have to win games. I think if they won the rest of this, if they won the rest of their games, but say even lost to Oregon at home, they're still going to be fine up in the ratings. But if you want to really believe in this team, they got to start winning some of those games, and they have to start this weekend, especially because I mean, you're at home. Yeah. <laughs> Colorado isn't Gonzaga; they're not even Oregon. So I understand they're ranked. McKinley Wright's a really good player, by the way. That's someone that I'm excited to see how they fare against. He's just a six-foot guard. Does Nico guard him? He's a little bit more athletic than Peyton Pritchard. McKinley, right? But he's also not—he's not as good. Yeah. Richard's good, but it's every at this point for Arizona, they lost the luxury of those of the moral victories, and I even think the good losses. They're at a point. I just have to win games. That's where they are. Yeah. And I know it's only five losses of the season. They're, that's fine. They've lost five games in a season before. They've lost more than that and been fine. But they don't have the luxury of playing bad or even playing good against good teams and losing. They have to win games. And they have to do it again, now just, not just for our confidence and our faith in them, but because they need to get that positive momentum going again. Because it's just it's a long season. It's a grind. And if they continue to struggle, you said, what, they've lost five of seven games? That could turn south in a hurry. Yeah, Make more if, south, I guess.
1: And if you're a team that has the talent we have and the expectations we have, there's no such thing as a moral victory. Moral victories are for when you're a team that's developing and trying to like, you know, well, you were competitive against a, a superior team. You know, when you're, when you're, when your talent level is what we have, there's no such thing as a moral victory. There's just a victory and not to like, you know, look too far down the line, but if you don't get some, some quality wins, you know, there's a big difference between making the tournament as like a seven seed and like, uh, you know, a six or higher, like it, there's a, there's a noticeable difference in your, in your path there. um, I mean, nobody wants to be the the dangerous five twelve that destroys everybody's brackets. But you know, it, th- th- just like we said, the opportunities are starting to run out on some of the guys that are like seniors, and you want to see them recognize that. I think, as a collectively as a team, they need to realize, you know, you, you don't just you're you don't show up and win the game based on talent. And no. somebody goes, oh, well, you have more talent than us. Therefore, please take the victory. <laughs> We <laughs> we declined to play. Joy of victory. <laughs> I saw your dunks and warm ups. We're just going to go home. <laughs> like that's, that's not, not how it now. works, you know. And that we saw that in the Oregon State game. That team was amped up, and they played like, you know, like the experienced team that they are. That plays like a high school team that's competitive and doesn't have the superior athletes, but they play smart. They play as a team. They they're fairly reasonably well coached, and they ex- they they have players play their roles. Mm-hmm. You know, we're still. Figuring out how to make the pieces fit, and I think part of that is that, I mean, I've I've basically hinted at. I'm just maybe I'm just convincing myself that I think Chase Jeter and Zeke Naji on the court together just doesn't work, um, because Zeke Naji needs the ball and Chase Jeter's not a good off-ball guy. Um, but we need to figure those things out, or he needs to figure out how we can add value. Maybe that's focusing on defense and rebounds. But Chase Jeter,
0: yeah. If that's the case, then he's screwed. Those are the two things he's worst at. Well, then maybe there's your answer.
1: <laughs> but
0: at this point in the season, we weren't supposed to be talking like this yeah. about them. You know, they got off to a great start. They're 10-0. You're like, oh, this is good. They're making shots. The freshmen are doing great. The veterans aren't playing great, but it's fine. They'll find themselves. At some point, you start to see this is who they are. And the question is, like, if you want to – I'm still not sure who they are, but we're finding out over the next couple of weeks for sure who this team is. And – We talk about how they're running out of chances for those seeding victories, and yeah, you don't want to be the sixth seed or anything like that. You also don't want to struggle to the point where you can make it interesting for the selection committee. I know the net rating is a big deal, and Ken Palm is a good sign for for an indicator of how good you actually are. But if Arizona loses 11, 12 games this season, it'd be really easy for the tournament committee to say, (laughs) no. And I don't expect it to happen.
1: Well, that'd that'd be what... Six more losses in the Pac 12? So it's like a season? 500 Pac 12 record. I mean, that's pretty bad.
0: Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. So forget the seating because, yeah, even if they win out, I guess you'll have a win over Colorado. You have a win over Oregon. Colorado probably won't be ranked by the time the season's over. But Oregon will be. So you have like a ranked win.
1: <laughs> I mean, if you win out, what's your ceiling as a seating? It's maybe a four. Right now, yeah. Like, I don't think you can get above that because you've squandered and opportunities to beat a good team.
0: Exactly, and they're not going to win out, which means how many games can you afford to lose before you start to have those questions about your candidacy for the NCAA tournament. And I don't want to find out, <laughs> and I don't think we will, but that's where this team is at right now, and this is a talk that happens when you lose both games in Oregon, in including fi- getting in smoked seven. by Oregon State. Five or seven. Yeah, it, all it takes is a couple wins this week against the the Mountain Schools to start feeling pretty good about yourselves again and about their chances. But that's what it takes for them. And, man, this season has been not what I expected it to be as recently as, like, two weeks ago.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, like I said, I, I was thinking about it the, la- uh, the last couple of days after the losses. Like, I think the K- T- Khalil Tate as a basketball team analogy is kind of fitting. Because it's like it's just a tease that you can always you always you always have that potential. It's still there. And we're hoping as fans that it all falls into place. And we'll see if it does. Hopefully it goes better than the Khalil Tate experience went in his senior year. Yeah. Hopefully. Speaking of Khalil Tate, that's football. We're going to talk a little bit
0: of football right after this break. So Brett, great news. We got a recruit. And I was going to say the a coaching a coach. staff.
1: A full coaching staff. A full
0: coaching staff right now. Arizona, once again, with experience.
1: How do you pronounce his name? Andy Buh? Every time I see it, I just want to read it as bruh. Like, bruh, bruh what are you doing? <laughs>
0: they, they brought him over to coach outside linebackers, which is fine. That means Paul Rhodes probably going to be coaching. I think he's going to be more inside linebackers. They're going to a 3-4 defense, so it makes sense. You I'm have guessing to,
1: Rhodes splits time a little bit. And maybe in some of the secondary, too.
0: Yeah. Clearly, they went with experience. The three coaches that they brought in, Rhodes, Egan, and Buh, combined 94 years of Division One college coaching experience.
1: That's a, you know, the funny thing is, it, the la- it, since like the Rich Rod and Todd Graham hires, ASU and U of A have been on like weird parallel tracks and like guys that are overlapping and take taking same strategies, same kind of offense, same kind of defense. ASU went really, real young on some of their coaching staffs, and we went the exact opposite way. Um, you know, whether that's going to pay off, I don't know. I, I think it stands to reason that from a player development and scheming standpoint, it probably should help put our defense in a better position. You'd think. And that's where clearly
0: there's still recruits out there. hasn't actually got one, an offensive player, uh, Frank a Brown. A good player. But though. a good offensive player, so he won't necessarily help on the defense. But there's guys out there, and we'll see what the recruiting can do. If this class will I think they have six teams committed right
1: now. Like well, committed, committed or signed, like yeah. There's, so there's a corner, the the linebacker Jabar Triplett seemed yeah. to react pretty nicely. I, he's been giving every indication he's going to sign. Uh, the corner, I forget his, I forget how to pronounce his name. I'll
0: i never I'll knew how to pronounce it, but the the, Alphonse the good something. cornerback with a funky name.
1: Yeah, and then I think there was there was somebody I forget. The there's third a lineman, one.
0: an offensive lineman, I think.
1: Oh, Cedric Milton, Milton. I think. Yeah, yeah.
0: But so there, there's still players out there. There's still some decent players who are not committed to schools. But the impression you get, or not even the impression anymore, you can clearly see Kevin Someone went with experience. He went with teachers. He went with people that he's confident will coach up what Arizona has. And I wrote about this on AZ Desert Swarm a few weeks back. We've talked about it on this show. I think that's the way to go. This, team, this coaching staff is just a coach. I, I believe in some of the talent you have, and we've talked before about how there's better individual talent on this team
1: than the record we think indicates. Well, but you've got to coach them up. And I think if you're Kevin Sumlin, what these hires also tell me is he's smart enough to have figured out if I don't show significant improvement in the win-loss, col- you know, win and loss columns, it doesn't matter how many high school recruits I get committed to my team because I'm not going to be around to coach them, right? So they've got a lot of spots left. There's a lot of decent players out there. There's still some, they have they missed on some transfers that would probably be nice to have, um, They've got some intriguing guys in, and some and guys committed that hopefully they can keep. I think you're right. I think it's probably the smart, non sexy way to go. Um, and and you know, I think for uh, was it for Rhodes or was it the the I forget the second coach where they actually gave two year contracts, which is like Egan, yeah, a, uh, yeah, it was Egan, I think, right, which is not typical for the Arizona schools, which is you know. Just another way we put ourselves at a competitive disadvantage.
0: You probably have to do that for these coaches to even sign on, though. right? Yeah. Well, Knowing that the guy they're going to be coaching for is...
1: He's on the hot seat. We can put it that way. Well, the two-year contract, if they, you know... Their second-year contract is not the deciding factor in someone's (laughs)
0: survival. (laughs) But Buck comes from Rutgers. He was a defensive coordinator. He has defensive coordinator experience. Maryland, Rutgers... He has West Coast experience, coached with Stanford, coached with Fresno State, coached with San Diego, coached at Nevada, defensive coordinator, was linebackers coach at Wisconsin, defensive coordinator at Cal. So he's got experience on the West Coast, and by all, from what I read, a pretty decent recruiter as well. So to your point, like ASU went with young guys who are there to recruit first and maybe coach later. Arizona's the exact opposite in hoping that they can recruit a little. And they'll, they'll bring in players. <laughs> like if, Even Frank Brown, if that tells you something... Who else was interesting? I think Michigan State was the other school that was most prominently yeah, there was with a couple him. Pretty big name. Like these are big name programs, and yet people are still going to choose Arizona at times. So, for as bad as things have been and seem, some of these players who could go other schools are still going to choose Arizona. So they're going to bring in some talent still from this recruiting cycle. But the important thing is coaching up what they have because. If they're going to get better, that's the way. There's not going to be any single recruit who's going to come in and just change their entire defense, probably. There's not going to be any single recruit who's going to come in and just dominate anywhere. But if you can get improvement from Harris, from J.B. Brown, if you can get Colin Schooler and Fields to be consistently good, if you can get Wilborn to be good again, if you can get the safeties and the corners can take a step forward, you have a defense that can be solid. Yeah. And that's the idea with this coaching staff. And we'll have to see. I mean, that's all the talk that happens during the offseason, everything's good, right? You know, the defense hasn't been bad. These new coaches bring that level of excitement that, hey, maybe they can make something better than what we've seen. They're really committing but to the workouts this offseason. Yeah. <laughs> I, I saw a picture that Paul Rhodes tweeted out. He, his office looks shiny. Like, <laughs> that's where it is right now. I get that. But you can see, what the, you can, you can see the direction. And that's an important thing with a coaching staff, especially football. What are they trying to build? What is the plan? Well, the plan was experience and a 3-4 defense. Well, they got the right coaches for that, it would seem like.
1: Yeah, and some of the the recruits that they already had committed, like Reagan Terry and uh, Dion Wilson, those were kind of in- interesting guys, but in like a 4-2-5, it was kind of like, I'm not sure if they put on weight or try to be a pass rusher in a, ba- in a 3-4 base. Those seem like their, their, role seems, their path seems defined. They're going to be a 3-4 defensive end you know, where you want some of that size, but you want to have that quickness and punch. And then you know, Harris can go be a pure pass rusher on the outside.
0: And, and the, the challenge when you switch your defense, it's not a huge scheme change, but you need to recruit differently. You need different types of players. You need more outside linebackers than you had. They need, they're not ends. They're linebackers now. You need your two middle lines. So it's, it's a little
1: different. But yeah, we have fewer safeties on the field, which can only be a good thing for how we performed last year. In that, yeah, definitely,
0: because you get more defensive line.
1: No, <laughs> another linebacker. You turn it into a linebacker. Yeah, that's
0: get uh, instead of their hand in the dirt, they're standing up now. But here, hopefully, it works out because obviously, we'd like for Arizona football to be better than it has been. And there's they're kind of bringing the idea that they could be a surprise next season with, but with coaching, <laughs> like with good coaching that. Depending on your perspective, they haven't had in a long time just actual good teachers, tacticians, and everything like that to get this team. So, Is it sad that it was like, oh, the fundamentals on defense that they're going to focus on? And you're like, yeah, the fundamentals. It's like, wait. The fundamentals get us excited. Like they're going to tackle with good form.
1: Yes. <laughs> you, know, you know, Adam, I had a friend of mine one time say that happiness is the delta between expectations and reality. And if your expectation is just to have the fundamentals met and tackle well, hopefully we can meet them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Arizona football.
0: Basketball needs to save us. <laughs> it's, it's still basketball season. That's, that still
1: has hope. By the way, breaking news Uh-oh. that will not be breaking by the time anybody listens to this. Arizona basketball got a commitment. Oh, the, the Canadian kid. With a, another funny name kid. Yeah. Ben, though. We'll call him Big Ben
0: from Canada. Funny name. Ben. Methurin? Methurin. That's good. I know Arizona was going with him in Baylor. So we can finish up the show with some good news. This recruiting class that Arizona has is starting to take a little shape, too. Now you're looking at next year, you have Jordan Brown. You have Akinjo. You have Terry. You have Ben. And there's still some more guys that they're in on, so Great. hey. And you're
1: going to have Jamal Baker back. You're going to you're going to have some guys back. You will have an intriguing roster. I don't know if you have a star player on there. Maybe Akinjo if he maybe John Brown.
0: We'll see. <laughs> that, that's where they're at. So we talked last week, but I remember it was like. The nice thing is it's not an all-or-nothing season for Arizona basketball. It doesn't seem that way. Now, granted, if they struggle mightily, what do they do with Sean Miller? Who knows? Was, <laughs> I think there's already there's a lot of rumblings. Like, uh, quickly, uh, do, you think, do you think he should be on thin ice right now, Miller?
1: I, that was another thing I was thinking about because it's like if you had told Arizona fans 18 months ago that you'd have this roster and this record Every single one of them, unless they are lying through their teeth, would have been so happy and so impressed by Sean Miller, and now they're calling for him to be fired. You know, I'm I'm not saying he should or should not be. I can certainly question some of the decisions he's made, uh, tactically and otherwise. Um. I mean, I think I think it's premature to 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 address that, um, and you. If you're gonna pull the plug on him, you better have somebody lined up. And there's only one coach that would—it would be the one and only one that I would want hired, and that's a uh, Beard from Texas Tech. And if why it's would he th- leave? Yeah, but if it's—and you better come with a pile of money because he's gonna be a hot name. And like, you know, you're not getting Billy Donovan to come back to college basketball, even though that'd be—I would take that in a heartbeat as well. Yeah, um, you're not getting Brad Stevens to quit the NBA and have to go back on the recruiting cycle. So I like, who? People that are calling for his head need to be like, you don't just, you know, jump out of the plane without a a plan to have I, a parachute.
0: I disagree slightly with that. And I wouldn't let a fear of not being able to do better stop you from trying. Like, if you got to a point where you thought Sean Miller... Trying to fire him? Well, just like, <laughs> just trying... You know, like, no, like, if you got to a point that Sean Miller, you like, this isn't tenable anymore, either you're worried about sanctions, or clearly he's run his course here, he wants to go, there's a mutual thing, then you make the move. Like, you, it doesn't matter whether you think you can do better than him or not, you just make the move because it's like trying, keeping going the way it is. If you think it's bad and not getting better, you're just wasting time. Like, I remember ASU people were like, oh, you can't do better than Herb Sendek, why would you fire him? Well, they got Bobby Hurley, who say what you will about him, say what you want. I don't think he's a great coach, but he's better than Herb Sendek. Yeah, you know when they were painfully average with Sendek, they like and they just said that's not good enough. They're going to try to do more. Football, you could argue the same thing. Like Rich Rod, they were average with him. They thought, hey, let's go get Kevin Sumlin. He's an SEC guy. You know, you try to do better, and it doesn't work out. So you swing for the fences, you're going to miss half the time. But I wouldn't let the fear of not being able to do better stop you from trying to do better
1: if you think you need to. Sure, but I guess that begs the question of is there a reason to want to part ways with Sean and Miller? And that's where I'm not... If you're Arizona, I think, I think there's a, just as much of a realistic chance that Sean Miller kind of decides he wants to move on to like the NBA.
0: For all the faults that Sean
1: Miller has, and he,
0: he's not faultless at all, he still brings in talent. The guy that they got Wednesday night is another saying that it was between Arizona and Baylor, and he decided to choose Arizona. He went on TV, ripped off the shirt, and it was an Arizona shirt. Like, that means you're going to have a chance every time. And maybe it's a matter of getting the right pieces in place. We thought this year's team was that. It still could be. Mm-hmm. But if it's not this year's team, then it might be next year's team and the team after that. And that's the point with Sean Miller. So criticize all you want. He's not a perfect coach. And until he gets to a Final Four and wins a national championship, there's going to be those people who say, he can't do it. And
1: until he does, you can make that argument. But They said that about what's his name at Wisconsin, and then they did it. Oh, uh, yeah. Bo, uh, Bo... Ryan? Not Ryan. I can't remember. Maybe it is Bo Ryan. That name sounds familiar. I, I, try, I I've We're going to call him Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Those games were on my birthday. They were painful. People were buying me drinks. But, but,
0: but that's my point. So I'm not in the fire Sean Miller camp. I'm not in the he's probably going to need to be fired anytime soon camp. But I'm also not in the Sean Miller's infallible camp. like yeah. and He's taken responsibility at times, but players need to play well. And he needs to recruit the right type of guys. We thought that was this year. Still could be. And if it's not this year, hopefully it's next year. But hopefully next week, Brett, we're talking about a couple of Arizona wins. Because if not, oh, boy.
1: If not, I'm going to need a bigger drink.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Come in with just like a keg. Like, okay, thank you, Arizona, what you've done to me. I'm going to be like, we're fine. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever we have to do, though, we'll, we'll talk about all that next week. Until then, bear down. Bear down.